Blog Talk Radio. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. 11.55. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story before 12. You're gonna die up there. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Joy for Horror News Confidential, brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. And we can also be heard on horrornews.net. And uh, we have a fantastic show today for you. Uh, We have two special guests uh, that we're going to have. And one is going to be Jared Cohen. And then the second, later on, is going to be uh, William Burke. Um, Jared is going to talk about some of his new projects, including uh, something I'm really excited for. Uh, Any fan of Leonard Skinner would be. He's uh, going to direct a new uh, biopic on that band called Street Survivors. So I'm like so pumped up for that. And of course, you know, we're going to talk about horror movies and stuff like that too. That's, you know, come on now. And then, like I said, William Burke, uh, who is a hardnews.net contributor, but he is so much more. Uh, and one of the things he is is he is a accomplished writer. He's an author, and uh, he's going to be talking about his new book. Uh, we've talked about this in previous weeks. It's called Voodoo Child, Book One, Zombie Uprising. So completely stoked about that. So that's a good read, and it's going to be an exciting conversation from start to finish. So where to begin? We have some Huge, and I mean really, really big news, coming out of art exploitation films. And I'm not just saying that. It's big. So I've always been a fan of horror movies in the holidays. Remember back in the day, Christmas Evil, Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, uh, you know some of these movies were, um, you know, they, they plugged it and promoted it, like banned in, you know, 48 countries and, you know, like all this kind of stuff. So I always loved the hype uh, and, you know, it was always like, you know, such a forbidden topic, you know, I, I like that I can remember back in the 80s when, you know, I first rented these movies and heard about these movies and um, heard critics talk about these movies. Um, You know, just the fact that like, you know, Santa Claus, you know, the most beloved childhood figure ever um, is depicted in a movie in such a way where, you know, he's, he's killing people and, you know, wielding an ax and, you know, slaying and chopping and, you know, just having a jolly old time. Well, anyway, 
I really dig that kind of stuff. And it really puts me in the Christmas spirit to watch those movies. Anyway, fast forward to present day. And I am so excited to announce that there is a new Christmas horror movie on the horizon. And that movie is from Artsploitation Films. And it is Red Christmas starring the one, the only, Dee Wallace. Um, Dee Wallace is known for so many horror movies and so many great movies. Um, and just to name a few, uh, you'll know her best probably from The Howling, where she's the reporter, and at the end, she classic scene where she's at the news desk and her eyes turn and, you know, she turns into the werewolf and howls. Um, never, probably one of the most classic werewolf scenes that I can recall um, with maybe the one exception being um, probably yeah, that, that's there, there are so many good ones, but uh, D. Wallace also is great in Cujo, where she's a mom stuck in a car, um, and just killer Saint Bernard just stalks her through the entire movie, and then once again uh, playing a mom in E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Um, so uh, D. Wallace has quite the career. Um, and, and quite the uh, horror movie uh, repertoire, if you will. But uh, this, uh, this new movie, Red Christmas, is uh, going to be a really good one. Uh, and right now, though, we have Ice Nine Kills has given us, um, last week, we heard a great song by those guys. Uh, I believe it was uh, last week we uh, listened to Nature of the Beast. Uh, I think that was the name of the song. Uh, well, this week uh, we got another great tune from these guys. And uh, Fearless Records was, um, you know, really good enough to supply some great music here. Um, this one is called The People in the Attic. Uh, once again, Fearless Records uh, supplied us with this, and it's fantastic. Ice Nine Kills is the band, and this is um, this is off their new album. So let's give a listen to it, uh, and then once we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about this um, Christmas uh, Red Christmas movie that I think is going to make some huge waves. It's difficult in times like these. Ideals, dreams, and cherished hopes rise within us. Broken, stealing home from my whole family. 
I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? All right, this is Mike Joy back with you, and uh, here we are at episode number three of Hard News Confidential, and uh, it's touching on uh, Art Exploitation Films' new movie, Red Christmas, uh, and this one is starring Dee Wallace, and, you know, I- I'm telling you, this is, uh, is going to be a pretty cool movie. Uh, I had a chance to uh, watch it the other day, um, and uh, basically... Uh, it is going to be, and we, we talked about controversy about Santa Claus being a, uh, you know, back in the 80s and, and getting a lot of slack for, uh, you know, chopping up his victims and, you know, good old Saint Nick isn't supposed to do that kind of thing. Well, those movies and the controversy that surrounded that in the time has got nothing on this movie. Um, and this is the only movie that I can really think of that takes an angle um, of being an anti-abortion horror movie. Uh, Could it be the first anti-abortion horror movie? Uh, Quite possibly. I can't think of another one. Um, But uh, definitely uh, a topical subject, a controversial subject. Um, And, uh, but... I'm telling you, whether you are pro or con on the topic, the movie itself is um, a throwback to a classic 80s horror movie. Uh, it's a uh, it's a Australian. Um, it's an Australian horror movie directed by Craig Anderson. Uh, he does uh, a wonderful job. Uh, bringing that um, that holiday feeling uh, into like a horror movie setting, um, and I'll tell you, I mean, I gotta think that I'm I'm not the only one here um, who is really going to enjoy this movie. Um, this movie is it, it's got cult classic stamped on it. Um, And I try not to throw that term around too lightly, but I mean, it it really has that feel where this could be the type of horror movie where it's in your collection and, you know, every year, like, you know, when uh, December hits and you pop on, you know, Christmas Evil or you know, Silent Night, Bloody Night, or um, uh, Tales from the Crypt, uh, uh, of course, the 1972 version, um, so it's got a fantastic uh, Christmas-themed episode with Santa Claus's, um, you know, Escape from the the Looney Bin. Uh, Well, you know what? This movie has its own creepy demented killer slasher type character 
Um, and uh, you know, without giving uh, without giving too much away, um, basically, D. Wallace and her family is having a good old-fashioned Christmas celebration. Uh, everyone has come together, uh, you know, for you know their last Christmas in the family home, but. They get interrupted by a knock at the door by a quite unexpected visitor. Um, not too many people are happy to see this person. Uh, and then once the story gets untangled, um, that's when uh, the crap really hits the fan, so to speak. Um, and uh, you get a lot of Great, um, and this is where I'm talking about like the, the 80s traditional horror movie. You get, you get some really great 80s kills um, in this movie. So, you know, I, I can't uh, tell you enough that uh, this is going to be something that uh, you're going to want to put in your um, uh, Christmas stocking this year. So let me kind of uh, change gears. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Exactly. And you know what? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. A scientist named Frankenstein made a monster by sewing together parts of old dead bodies. You have to read that stuff. Wait a minute. Frankenstein gave the monster eternal life by shooting it full of electricity. Some people claim it is not dead even now. Uh-huh. Just dormant. <laughs> Now, who'd be silly enough to believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Who would be silly enough to believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Me. Uh, Wait a second. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, did you guys happen to catch that brand new introduction we have? Well, you know what? I just wanted to take a, a quick blip to thank uh, Nick Wilkinson for um, you know creating our new intro. Uh, it really kicked some serious ass. Um, so let me um, let me just tell you a little about a um, little bit about what I've been doing. Um, and you know I always kind of throw out there you know my my projects and so forth and what have you. Uh, but um, you know the other day I was uh, in Philadelphia uh, and uh, History Making Productions was filming. Uh, the Speed of Light. And I had a, um, a small part in that, and it was a really um, a cool and is- interesting pr- um, production. Uh, I'm always happy to um, you know, be involved in uh, you know these um, these history uh, type documentaries. And the Speed of Light, what this is about was uh, really the early days of film in Philadelphia, uh, and they were really doing something cool. Um, you've um, you've seen their work um, with like uh, Urban Trinity, uh, which I was on I was on television right before the Pope's visit to Philadelphia last year, um, and uh, you know they were um, tackling uh, religion in Philadelphia uh, with that one. Um, now this one, Speed of Light, is all about uh, like I said the early days of photography and stop motion filmmaking. So uh, it was very cool. Basically, they were did um, like a throwback um, to the early days uh, where, 
you know, the scenes that we filmed, um, uh, they filmed like a dance scene. They filmed, um, uh, uh, basically, I was, uh, the, the part I played was uh, just a uh, portrait sitter uh, and a cameraman. He was, uh, you know, taking my picture. Uh, but uh, they did it old school, basically. Uh, this was, I think, um, my scene was 1839, uh, and then they also jumped forward. There were some scenes they shot in 1870, uh, but they did it in that stop-motion kind of um, uh, feel where, you know, um, you know I, I, they shot one scene where my arm was level, uh, and then the next scene, you know, okay, raise your arm up a little higher, click. Okay, next scene, turn your head and raise your arm a little bit more, click. So, you know, it, it gave the impression of, um, you know, the early photography uh, and kind of like, um, you know, if you would, uh, you know, draw some sketches and, uh, you know, flip the paper and, and kind of like make the stick figure move across. Well, you know, kind of like the same kind of thing, um, you know, is what they're doing with this and, you know, basically frame by frame to, uh, you know, make it look like that, like old, like, you know, uh, style stop motion photography filmmaking. So, um, so anyway, that's something I was involved in, uh, and I figure I should throw that out there because you know I just um, you know support the uh, company History Making Productions and, and all their work. Their good work that they're doing in Philadelphia. Um, but uh, hey, anyway, uh, moving on to uh, to horror. Uh, it's a man out! to their cast, uh, uh, WWE, uh, the original vampire, if you will, Gangrel, is uh, going to be uh, cast in that uh, movie. I'm not sure exactly what role he's going to play, but um, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Gangrel. Um, you know, remember Gangrel and the Brood, um, Edge and Christian. Um, they had some really classic um, stuff from the WWE's Attitude Era, along with The Undertaker. Uh, it, it was some really cool um, horror movie-ish type of uh, scenes and scenarios uh, that played out in the wrestling industry back in the 90s, uh, you know, with those individuals. So that was, um, you know, that's pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, while we're waiting for uh, Mr. Jared Cohen to call in, and he should be calling in shortly, um, you know, we might as well uh, take this opportunity to, um, you know, say hi to our uh, sponsors. So uh, here is a... Uh, three-and-a-half-minute commercial break, and we'll be right back uh, after these brief messages. 
Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Joy, and we're returning to Horror News Confidential. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have on the phone uh, the one and the only Jared Cohn. How you doing, man? You know, I'm doing great, man. Just, uh, you know, staying busy. Uh, happy to be here. You know, thanks so much for having me on. And, uh, you know, really appreciate it. Always, always great to be on uh, with you, Mike Joy, and our news. And, you know, just get, get just be, be, be out here in the universe. 
Oh yeah, fantastic, man. You you have some really cool projects uh, that you're, you're kicking off, man. Um, I don't know what to talk about first, honestly. But um, you know, I, I guess let's um, let's hit on the one making all the news. Um, so if everyone knows Leonard Skinner, and I think everyone Leonard does. Leonard Skinner. Uh, yeah, you, you got it. this uh, biopic uh, called um, uh, Street Survivors, uh, and yeah. uh, man, just tell, tell me a little bit about like, um, well, I guess tell me a little bit about what the movie is going to be um, uh, surrounding. It's going to be about the plane crash only, or um, yeah, what, what are we about, looking at? Uh, it, you know, it's focused around the plane crash, but you know, it's some of some flashbacks a little bit before, you know, get to know the characters and to the after the aftermath. Um, and, you know, but really it's about the heart, you know, it's about the relationship between the bandmates and, and the camaraderie and the history. And, you know, it's, it's obviously it's a, it's told through the eyes of Artemis Pyle, who's one of the few survivors, you know, who's in the original, uh, Leonard Skinner lineup. And, um, he was the drummer. I've had the pleasure of, you know, spending great, uh, you know, a good amount of time with him on the phone. He's been talking, he's been fantastic talking with the actors, um, talking with me and I get the story right. And it's just been, uh, you know, it's just been a journey, man. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. This is a, the, the, the biggest film I've done so far. And I'm, Oh, I haven't done it yet. We're prepping it. And just the the prep and the and the amount of work uh, going into it is just it's been colorful and exciting and you know and it's just been it's it's been great and I'm so great. Let me just give a shout out to Cleopatra Records and Entertainment, Brian Pereira, for giving me this marvelous opportunity to make this to make this movie and uh, it's just been you know so far just so exciting and i'm so excited about it and uh yeah i just can't say enough and i'm such a let me just talk about leonard skinner i'm such a fan of the music and the more i know and the more i you know dive in it's it's the more i learn it's just been this wonderful uh learning experience um you know um so how how did you um how did you step into um doing this project? Uh, how, how did it all come about? Um, so I did I've done uh in I've done two movies for uh Cleopatra Records and Entertainment and um and basically it's and th- and then they came to me they were like yeah well we can do it. we have this Leonard Skinner um movie and you know we have this, we have uh, the rights to Artemis Pyle and you know they do records with him and you know a fantastic company uh Cleopatra I can't speak uh highly enough of them and uh, and Brian Pereira and and they, they you know they offered me this this opportunity and of course I was like hell yeah I mean I I who doesn't love Leonard Skinner uh uh and it just kind of organically came and, and, you know, and they, they brought him out here and we worked really hard on the story. And I've just been, you know, I watched all the documentaries. I'm still, there's so much interviews on YouTube I'm watching and listening and reading books and talking to Artemis. And it's, 
it's just a crazy story. I mean, it's 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 one of rock and roll's greatest, uh, you know, tragedies. Um, yeah. And, so, uh, what other what other movies? Um, you had mentioned you brought did two other movies for um, uh, Cleopatra, and what were they? Uh, Devil's Domain and Halloween Hell House. Uh, Devil's Domain is coming out May 30th. Halloween Hell House. Uh, we're really, I'm really hoping to be able to get it out this Halloween. Um, and uh, I'm actually working on uh, finalizing the edit tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been crazy. It's been you know a crazy busy time. So grateful to be busy, to be working. Um, and I was just yeah. Uh, need, needless you know, to just, say, uh, you 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 are definitely a hard worker with all the projects that you have. Uh, you know, helm definitely. Um, you know, but, I'm uh, so grateful to be working. It's it's uh, it's just such a crazy industry, and you have to be so passionate about it, or else you will just not be able to get through it. I mean, I think a lot of people look at. Uh, movie making and, and as, as oh it's got to be fun and exciting and, and it is you know don't get me wrong it is but it's a lot of hard work and if it's an industry that you are like oh it's cool I just think it's cool I want to get into it then you know once you really start working it's it's you know you're talking about you know for sometimes 14 15 hour days you know day after day and it's like yeah. that's hard work you know I mean it, it's uh and and especially for the a lot of, for the crew guys. I mean, I'm 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 you know directing and prepping, which is really hard as well. But I mean, you know, these guys that are moving, you know, heavy lights and dressing sets, and my my God, just the amount of work that goes into making a movie is extraordinary. And and the larger the movie gets, uh, it, it gets harder. Obviously, you know, the, the more money you have as, as a budget. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it, uh, um, you know, it, it makes it things easier, but it also, you know, they always say more money, more, more, uh, um, you know, more problems. And, uh, so since you mentioned that it, it is, um, you know, this upcoming uh, movie with about Leonard Skinner, is this going to be the biggest budget that you've worked with? Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, okay. This is this is this is the biggest budget movie I I've done. This is the most I would say most important by far the most important movie I've done because this is a true story, and um you know there's a there's a responsibility there's a great responsibility with this movie, um of telling the truth. Well, see truth that's why and, I wanted to. Yeah, I definitely wanted to touch base on that because you know not that um you know the other movies are easier. Um, but looking at like making a horror movie, um, which is, you know, in the realm of, of fantasy and now all of a yeah. sudden, um, what is like, how do you have to switch gears to go from that to actually telling the story of an iconic band and a real life situation? Um, I mean, how does the, how, how are you going to if you are going to, how are you going to change up your directing style or your your um, just way of looking at making a movie? Does it change because it's so? Yeah, um, you know what? Okay, it, it changed. It's changed drastically, and it's it's actually 
given me such a greater appreciation of of filmmaking uh, because you know you realize that there's a significance to these stories because these are real people and what is the story about it's about the heart it always comes down to the heart of you know I've discovered the heart of of filmmaking and and what makes great movies great as opposed to you know good movies okay like it's always about the heart and it's kind of you gotta you gotta it takes movies to make it takes making other movies to just to get familiar with the filmmaking process i mean some people just knock it out right off the park on their first movie they you know they discover that you know I, I, that wasn't my I, you know i had a longer learning curve um because i think i was holding on to genre parameters you know i'm like ah yeah i want to make this the most violent or i want to make you know i just want to be extreme and but in reality, that's that's not what makes a, a a movie great. What makes a movie great is when you can invoke emotion, and you're telling you're telling you know a great story that the audience is go, that the audience cares about. Um, and you kind of take them through that journey, and and uh, and that's just the reality. It's 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 not it's not something that you can just say, all right, I'm gonna kill a hundred people in this movie and and there's going to be you know a hundred naked girls and and there's going to be you know car chases i mean that's cool don't get me wrong you do that on a big budget scale (laughs) if you do that on a big budget scale you will have an amazing visual eye candy you know which is great you know and move those movies do well but if you take if you can combine heart in it and you can put emotion into it then you have something that will stand the test of time well i mean i i i couldn't agree more with you on that and you know of course you know me being uh, a huge horror fan um i always want uh to see like a horror movie capture that essence that like a um that like a academy award winning drama would have but yeah like take take the that heart and stick it in a genre movie and you know it doesn't happen often <laughs> but it you does, know it, there, you know it, there are great horror movies that that uh you know that uh like six cents you know, came came to my mind. You know, is that the ghost right. movie? Uh, and but but it's sort of done in a way where you're at the you know you're you're like oh my god I've learned something or I something inside me you know affected me. And if you could affect you can affect it doesn't matter the genre. You know, it could be a comedy, it can be a horror, it can be an action movie. But there are every human being has. Uh, you know, the same, uh, you know, sort of emotional triggers. I mean, obviously there's people out there that, you know, are psychopaths and sociopaths and they may not be, but the majority of people are, you know, emotionally based people that if, you know, that have the same 
sort of triggers and you know and there and if you can evoke a response uh then you know through a cinema then you're on the right track you know your your movie will be noticed you know i mean i mean not not taking into consideration you know the consideration the production value the budget those all those things all have to be done well your movie has to look great it has to sound great you have to have a great score but it always it boils down it starts and ends with the script you know um the script you know and that's 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 where great writing comes in you have to have you have to have that in place. I mean, you can throw a hundred million dollars into a bad script and you're basically wasting a hundred million dollars. So as a, uh, a fan of the industry, you know, as well as being in the industry, um, what movies that you, um, remember from, um, I don't know, maybe as a kid or, or, you know, maybe as a young adult, that um, you know captured your imagination, um, something that you thought about the next day or the next week or the next month, and you know, like because there are these movies that, like you know, like you were talking about, you know, if if they capture the heart, if it's done right, you know, if it, it evokes some kind of emotion, um, you know, they're you know, you're doing your job right, whoever the filmmaker is. Um, it, yeah. What movie come to mind for you that like really, um, you know, um, got you thinking? You know, I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, like last night, I just watched Arrival, um, and you know, it it affected me. I, I, I you know, um, it, it affected me, and, and I'm 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 just speak, I'm speaking of that because that you know my memory is. I don't know. Sometimes I forget, remember shit. Sometimes I, I don't. But right now, I said I just saw that movie. Um, it, it, it it resonated with me, and you know, it had a message. Uh, yeah. It really yeah. had a. It really. It was. And it was good. It was well done. And you know, there was one. You know, there was a little part in the middle, towards the middle end, that I was like, well, "What's going on?" But and then it all paid off. It came together, and. There's a movie that worked. I mean, there's a movie that just absolutely worked. You know, it was an it's a movie about aliens visiting Earth, uh, and you know, you take you compare that movie with Men in Black. You know, the first Men in Black. Uh, sure. And that movie was that movie was done well. You know, it did well in the right. box office. But it, you know, I didn't. I my eyes didn't well up when I was watching Men in Black. You know, by the end no. of arrival, I'm I'm just sucked in, and I'm I'm in this different state, and I'm like I'm affected. I you know I watched Moonlight, and the same thing happened. And there's you know there's a, there's it's a love story about you know you know uh, homosexual men uh, in the hood in the you know and and I am emotionally affected, and I care about these characters. Uh, and, and, it, you know, and I can't, and it won best picture, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. and, and, it, you know, I didn't even know that going into it. I just know, I just said, Oh, this movie got nominated. I'm going to go see it. I didn't even, I don't even, if there's a movie that I know I want to watch, I don't watch the trailer. 
I actually, yeah. I don't even want to watch the trailer because the trailer now will just tell you the whole story. I don't even want to watch yeah, it. If it, it, gives, it got nominated, gives too much for, away. Yeah, it gives too much away. If I know I'm going to watch a movie, I'm just going to go and watch it. I don't want any sort of free notion that might give me information that I don't want to know. You know, La La Land, beautiful movie. I mean, that affected me. Uh, and these are all movies that were nominated for Best Picture. I understand that, but there's a reason. You know, I mean, there's a reason that the, you know, Academy nominates these movies because they are great movies. So if you can, you know, you know, Whiplash, you know, another, uh, you know, I had my, my hat's off to Damien Chazelle because he is, he got it, man. And he gets, he got it right out the, right off, right out of, you know, as a very young man, he, he understood what, and through his writing, and you know what was, what what people really are, you know, it it, it takes people, it, it takes people time, or everyone has their own. Some people never will understand it, uh, right. and yet they'll watch a they'll watch a great movie, and then they'll be emotionally affected, and 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 then they'll go and say, all right, I'm going to make a movie, and they'll write something that is just you know, not, it's just what they think is good and great. Everyone, here's the thing about writing. It's, and I hate to say this, but it's like everyone who writes their uh, script, they all, everybody, every single writer, think, of course, is going to think their script is great, and as they should, as they should. Right. But it's, you know, as you make movies, it's like if you shoot something, you put it on the screen, you spend money, and there's people, and then you watch it, and then, you know, and, and if it doesn't, it, it comes down to the script. If someone reads the script and isn't affected emotionally, um, then you know you should consider putting more heart into it or 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 care. Because I, I mean, I've read scripts and I've you know cried just reading these scripts, and it's just like, oh my god, this is this movie needs to get made. And those are the scripts that get fast tracked and. And it's just be- you know, it's beautiful. You just can't stop turning the pages, and uh, so it starts and ends with oh. a script. And I, yeah. No, no. I mean, I completely understand, and and I mean, and as well as you know, I've I've had a, a work in progress for a number of years now. Um, that afterlife that I keep going script. back to. Yeah. I keep revising it. I've I read keep... the script. And I gotta tell you, you uh, as a genre, as a genre film, that's a, it's. That's a great script. You got a great story. It's a you know, and that movie needs to get made. Um, hey, and uh, fingers crossed. And is I, I got and I will say this: it is so difficult. I mean, for any movie to get made, it's 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 so difficult. Uh, even though there's so many movies being made, uh, but there's not. You there's so I mean? many. There's, like, there there's so many more that's not. Yeah. It's like there's so many movies being made, you, you think, and there's so many TV shows being made. But then you look at how many people are working on them and how many people are trying to work on them. And, you know, I, I, I consider – I look at myself and I'm like – I'm like blue collar – at this point, I'm like blue collaring, working a, a way to, you know, to try to get to that next level and you know everyone's trying to you know unless you're Damien Chazelle or Alejandro Interatu or you know Martin Scorsese it's uh Clint Eastwood you know you're you're always 
trying to get to that next level where you have the the creative freedom, you have the no budgetary concerns, um, right. and that is the filmmaker's goal, the dream. I think that is the dream of every single filmmaker. Uh, I don't oh, think yeah. anybody, I don't think any filmmaker wants to be like, all right, I want to make you know this movie with a very tight budget, very tight schedule. Um, nobody wants to do that. Uh, but do people, people, what people are doing? Yeah, of course. People would stab people to have that opportunity uh, to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollar movie, which is, which, you know, and I was that way because I know, I know this because I was that guy. I was that guy making <laughs> a $500 movie and I was happy about that. And I made a, you know, a $10,000 movie and I was very happy about that. And then when I got the opportunity to make a, you know, it's funny. I made it. Then I made like a four hundred thousand dollar movie. And then I went back to, you know, I was, you know, I was so excited about that. And then I went back to making a, you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollar movie. I was still happy about that. You know, uh, right, right. I, I'm happy to be making movies. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a movie fan. I'm a movie lover. I'm passionate about it. You know, and you always got to keep that in your heart. And I think once a filmmaker, always a filmmaker. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm, always, I'm I'm trying to get to that point where, you know, you're making movies that are big and affecting people and stand the test of time and, and, and all these things, you know, it's, 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 that's just, that's just the goal. I mean, that's my goal. You know, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but, um, you know, that's, 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 that's what it is. So how, how long ago, uh, just curious, so how long ago did you make your first film? I made my first film, man, I got to say like 2006 or, or, or so I, I wrote, I, you know, I, I produced the movie that I wrote, the first friend of filmmaking, um, which was, what, 11 years ago? <laughs> But I've also been out, you know, I've been, you know, I started as an actor in, you know, 14 years ago. Uh, I also started writing. I mean, I started writing right away. So, I mean, it, it was really, as I started acting, I was like, all right, I'm going to act. And I started and very shortly, I, uh, I uh, started writing. I read a bunch of scripts. Let me let me start writing my own scripts. So that was fourteen years ago. Um, right. And still like a, you know. Right, right. No, no. I was just gonna say, you know, um, you know, ten, fourteen years ago until you know now. Um, how um, how do you see yourself? Um, do you see yourself? Obviously, every you can see yourself improving. Um, uh, but looking back, like, how differently how, did you do stuff back then than, than you do it now? Um, you know, I would say now, um, I mean, you just, you know, you just, you learn, you just, it's, it's, it's experience. And that's something that, you know, you can't pick up a book and, you, you know, you can't, you can't um, go to film school I mean, you can go to yeah, go to film school, read books, <laughs> do all that. You know, I recommend all of that. Um, but I mean, for me, and here's the thing: for me, 
and everyone's different. I mean, I, I, I didn't go to AFI or USC. You know, I wasn't born. I'm, you know, my, 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 fam, my family was not producers and actors and directors. You know, I, I'm, I'm none of that. I was, I'm the only one, you know, so I think if you grow up around it, if you grow up around, uh, um, you know, filmmakers and, 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 and that's what your life is about, then, you know, you're, you know, you, you're, you're in that position. You're in that position to, to learn and grow and, and grow up on sets. And I, and I, and that's another thing, you know, a lot of those people working in the, in the industry that are working at the top level, that was their childhood, you know? I mean, and and it's, it's, of course it's, you know, you could say it's nepotism and it's unfair, but that's just how it is. Um, yeah. That's what everyone's up against. You're up, you're up against, you know, I mean, I would say, I, I, was, actually, I was reading this article, um, I'm very curious. I was like, you know, how many, how many people actually, these are all these very successful people, and right. how many of them actually, you know, were truly self-made versus people that were, you know, given a, given a leg up, uh, you know, because their father, their uncle, their family, you know, old money. And then all sure. of a sudden, you know, grew up in Brent, Brentwood and they grew up in Beverly Hills and they grew up, uh, they went to AFI and, you know, they had a million dollars um, for, their, you know, their, their, their thesis film. And, um, <laughs> and this is true. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even oh. ex- no, exaggerating at all. And some of these, some of these thesis films from some of the AFI, UFCLA, their budgets for a student film. I'm talking about for a 10-minute student film, they've had over a million dollars. Wow. Well, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five. That's so ridiculous. Because, it's ridiculous, but it's true. It's I ridiculous, know. but it's true. And and you, you know, and then you take a kid, you take a guy. You know, a less fortunate person who, and I'm not saying I was very blessed. You know, I I I, I come from, you know, a a, a, a a good family. You know, I had opportunities. You know, and and they and I you know I love my family. And I'm not saying I'm oh I came out here from, you know, the slums of Shaolin and you know had to, you know, <laughs> work you know nine jobs and, you know, pay for things you know I, I i i'm blessed i'm blessed to be an opportunity you know to have to have been supported um you know by my family and um but i'm not blessed in the way where i'm you know i went to afi and i had a million dollars to do my student film and it's not really right. even about the money i mean here's the thing it's not even really about the money because it's about the connection the access the key you know the golden key you know if you're yeah if you you know if you're Steven Spielberg's kid, um, you don't have to worry about oh am I gonna get is someone gonna read my script am I gonna be able to get an agent uh, am I gonna get produce this film that I think is awesome no you're you know you're gonna that's gonna be handed to you um, 
Yeah. In in some in some regards and 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 that's just that's just that's just how it is. You know, you're gonna be things are gonna be handed to you. It's gonna be easier. Um, and you probably, I mean, you know, will you appreciate it less? Uh, I don't know, because that's not me. You know, I didn't have that experience, so I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't speak for uh, any of those people. I just know that that's the reality. You know, if you go to Brentwood High School and your parents are actors and producers, um, you're you're much different from someone who grew up in the, you know in the middle of the country with no connections whatsoever. You got to hustle harder. Um, and some so, people get lucky. So don't for, get me wrong. So what, what do you think? So for people that don't have that leg up, um, you know, that we're talking about, how important is like networking in this industry, um, you know, to, uh, you know, be able to get your, um, you know, whether you're an actor or whether you're, you know, a filmmaker or what have you. Um, you know, uh, what, what's your take Very on important. that? Very important. I mean, it's 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 so important because I mean, if you don't, I mean, if if you don't know people, how how are people going to hire you? I mean, right. Uh, if you don't know people, if you don't work your ass off and know people and and be smart about, I mean, there's networking and then there's, uh, you know, just there's effective. Net- I mean, networking is not really. I've never went out to a networking event or something. There, I've been to, I went to networking events in the hope that I'm going to network. But there's nobody in network. People that are really doing it do not go to networking events. The only people who benefit from networking events are the people who put the networking events on <laughs> and get. You're probably right it. about that. <laughs> I'm tell, I mean, that's it. They're the ones who are selling, uh, you know, $30 tickets. You know, people and you know, twelve dollar drinks, and uh, right, right. Uh, you know, those are the only people that that benefit. Uh, I mean, listen, if you if you need to network, the people that are really doing it don't need to network because they're already they're already there. <laughs> they're not right. going out to networking events. They're going they're <laughs> going to. Uh, in fact, the only people that are, let me add one addition to that. Let me add one sure. little caveat. Uh, if and this is a Hollywood cliche, but okay. if you're a dude, if you're a, a producer, and you're looking to hook up with a girl, you may go to a networking event. There you go. <laughs> and and that and that is and that 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 is the reality and it's cliche. But you go, you know, if you're an agent, you know, with a business card, and probably not, you know. Uh, if you're a respectable agent, then shame, you know, shame on you for using that your status to, you know, to to do that to pick up girls. But uh, that's sort of the real, the sordid reality of uh, of this town is, is is that type of thing happens and and yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's it. But no. No, no producer is going there. No real producer is going there and be like, "Look, I'm looking to meet like a hungry filmmaker." Because those real producers are getting inundated uh, by agents, by unsolicited, uh, you know, submissions to the, to them. And time. I mean, it's just there's no, you know, they don't. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, let's let's just uh, swing back and uh, and talk a little bit more about the um, the horror genre. Um, you know, you got some. Uh, obviously, you have some movies coming up. Um, what should we be looking at in the um, the horror genre? That uh, how about the um, uh, was it the domicile? You know, domicile and Deathpool were two movies that. Uh, I had the good fortune of making with uh, my own production company. We now we did those on, you know, very tight budgets, and uh, you know we're we're you know it's a process. I mean, those two movies, <clears throat> um, you know, I think they're very cool movies, and um, and and we're dealing with the, you know, the sales agents and trying to get you know trying to get distribution in order, and you know, I mean, those were homemade. I mean, I don't want to say homemade movies, but homegrown, homegrown efforts with our own money, with our own um, everything. You know, we just, we just, you know, I put. It was just, and I'm really glad we did those. You know, just to grow and and, and do them, and and I really hope that they attain some level of success. Obviously, it's you know, it's it's. You know, but you know, you hope those movies get out there and get appreciated. And uh, I mean, but you never know. You know, you just don't know about what these types of things. Can you take a uh, moment and just uh, tell us a little bit about? Um, you know, let's, let's start with the uh, domicile. What um, what's that movie about? Uh, that you know, that's a ghost movie. It's about it's about a man who was unfaithful to his wife. And then his wife, you know, essentially accidentally dies, and the ghost discovers his infidelity and haunts him. And okay, and that's that. That's essentially the premise of that movie. And it's, it's you know, we I tried to put as many, you know, boo scares, and it's. You know, I wanted to. I want that movie. I wanted that movie after making uh, Death Pool, which is sort of a, a little bit, you know, more of a. I think I, you know, actually I, you know, it was originally called The Valley Drowner, and I, I, I like that title because it was, it was sort of a art housey, uh, horror movie, meets, but it had great comedy, and I, I think that movie almost like it has a higher ceiling. But you never know. But we did that movie, and you know it, it's the, the the problem with making that a movie like that on a tight budget is is how do you is the marketing, you know? And that was why yeah. the title was changed to to Death Pool. Um. So we made the domicile like, all right, we're gonna make a movie that fits into a box, um, and. Uh, you know, let's see how this one does. You know, and, and and you know, make a movie that that can really just be a ghost movie. Uh, you know, and there's no if and there's no question about what it is, and that's important to it. If you're gonna make a movie, if you're gonna make an independent movie, either either shoot for the stars and make and make a, a movie that's gonna affect the audience and, and make it great. But uh, if you're gonna make a movie, if you want to get into the the genre filmmaking of horror, you know, about, you know, since it's horror news, uh, you know, I'll strictly, you know, I'll talk about, keep it in the horror world. 
But right. if you're going to make a movie, you know, make sure that it fits very much into a box um, so that your sales agent or distributor, like, you can kind of kick-ass trailer. Everybody knows what it is. Ghost movie. You know, it's ghost for zombies, you know, in terms of, you know, dead, dead, dead afterlife. It's, right. it's something that you want to be able to say and, and have in your trailer, have in your artwork. Right. And Boom. that's this an easier sell. Yeah. This is this is what it is. This is what it is. You're 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 getting what you pay for. There's no there's no surprises. It's not a weird mashup of is it a comedy, is it a horror, is it a drama? So if you're gonna make if you're gonna make a horror movie, make a horror movie. Make it a vampire movie, make it a werewolf movie. Make yeah. it uh or mash it up. Maybe it's werewolf versus ghost. You know, that's cool. You know, that that everybody knows what that is what's that, you know, what that right. is, and, and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, it, it, it fits into a nice little box that the sales agent can go, and, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the sales agent can go, and, and, uh, you know, take it to market, and, and, and sell it to buyers, and, uh, and, and that's it, you know? And, so do you think you um, do you think you have more freedom, um, you know, with uh, uh, less of a budget, or um, do you think if you have, you know, more of a budget, you have more freedom? Where where does where's that freedom level at? You know, where where do you start losing your freedom uh, of what you really want to make? It's an interesting question because if it's your own money. And you can do whatever you want, you know. If if you have, and it, it's really three answers to that question. Uh, yeah, if you have your own money, then you can do whatever you want. Uh, well, regardless, you know, if of you course. have a million dollars, if you have if you have ten thousand dollars, but you want to, you know, and and that, and you're just making a movie to make a movie. You're not worried about, oh, am I going to make money? You know, off oh, shit. And then, however, if you have, if you're working for a studio, if you're working, if you're hired to do a film that's relying on you and they're giving you a, a tight, you know, a budget, you have to make that movie you sort of have to comply creatively. I mean, the be- I mean, the more tr- of a track record you have, the more sort of creative freedom I, th- I think you'll get because, you know, you have a track record and, and, um, and, and, and there's that. Uh, but if you're, de- if you're making a very specific, if you're making a big, big studio movie, uh, and there's you know a hundred executives watching the dailies and and then you're probably you know I haven't been in that situation so but I I, I can only imagine that if you're sort of a new director to that big space you're going to be really you know watched but if you know if you're Brian Singer uh, you know and you've done all these movies and I'm sure the studio is going to be like, all right, well, you know, we got Brian Singer. He knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, we don't have, have to, you know, hold his hand. Yeah, have at it. Here's, you know, here's $150 million. You know, go make a movie. Uh, yeah. uh, so, I mean, it's it's person by person. It's movie by movie. Um, you know, I can only, you know, speak from my experience. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have creative freedom, uh, you know, on, on, 
on the recent movies I've done and, and, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, I'm very grateful for every movie and I'm very grateful for every dollar that, you know, a production company, that doesn't come out of my pocket. You know, I'm very grateful for every right. dollar that is given to me as compensation for my work or oh. I'm grateful yeah, for sure. every dollar that's given to the movie so I can, you know, direct. So you always got to respect the money. Um, but you also want to make a great film. So it's a fine line between this is money, this is my money, this is somebody else's money, and I'm going to maximize it. And, and then I'm not also in it to get how much can I get, you know, like that. There are people like that. And and some of those people are very successful. Some of them aren't. Uh, so it's 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 in this industry, it's so. You know, nebulous. Everything's so nebulous. Nobody knows anything until you're there. Until you've, you know, until you've made it, and you're looking at everything, and you're looking, sort of looking back from being successful. I mean, not looking back, but when you're successful and you're looking back, then you sort of can really have your your authentic vantage point. You know, I don't consider myself successful. I consider myself fortunate to be working, but I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself you know, successful. I think as soon as you start considering yourself that, unless you really are and, you know, world known and, uh, you know, you're not, you're just not going to be, you know, I, I don't know. You know, to be honest with you, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, you do. You do. You, do. you know, you have, you know, given us a lot of, um, you know, great information. I mean, I, I think, um, and I do want to circle back around to Street Survivors because, I mean, you know, hey, you know, who who knows what determines, you know, success. But, you know, when this movie is said and done, um, you know, maybe, you know, you'll be like, oh, hey, wow, you know, I've reached, uh, you know, the that next level where I want to be, you know, and it's because of, you know, this band Leonard Skinner and, you know, this movie. Um, hopefully I, I, you know, I, I hope and pray that is, that is, <laughs> you know, absolutely what I hope and pray um, will be the case. Um, you know, I really, I genuinely hope and pray that that happens because, you know, I would love nothing more than to, you know, make movies with more, I mean, it, it sounds, you know, not, it's not about the budget, you know, but you do need that budget. I mean, you do need that budget to, 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 to make you, if you want to do, if you want to have time in your schedule and you want to have the best production designer and your best wardrobe team and, and I mean, the most professional, I mean, not, I mean, not most professional, but the best people and, and because it's, movie making is collaborative and it, you know it's not a one man unless you're making a, a movie about two talking heads in a room but if, I mean you can make that movie you can make that movie great but again that comes if you uh, so I would say if you really want to make a great movie you can make a great movie with two talking heads but you're not gonna you have to get lucky I mean not that you have to get lucky you just have to have a fantastic script uh, and fantastic actors fantastic script shoot that movie, you know, and and hope and do it right. Cinematography. So, um, 
Great script. And you talk to me a little bit about um, uh, casting um, Street Survivors, because I, I think um, you guys cast all the um, the lead roles, right? We did. We did. And uh, we had a great casting director, Shelby Holt. And uh, I'm very happy. We actually had the table read today where all the actors, uh, you know, came together and and uh, it, it was good, you know, and I, and the way I'm going to do this movie, the way I'm approaching this movie is very coming from an actor, you know, I'm using all my acting background and make it very improvisational and organic and, and, uh, Definitely. you know, that's really my, uh, uh, what I'm going for. It's, uh, it's, you know, I'm, 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 I want this movie to be, I want it to feel like, is, am I watching a documentary? Like, What's going on here? Uh, is this a documentary? Yeah, no, is, this, is this a... I'm curious. Your casting choices, right? Um, were you looking for, or did the actors that you picked necessarily have to have any kind of musical background? You know what? We are so lucky that a lot of them do. And then our lead actor is playing Artemis Pyle. You know, my hat's off to him for learning the drums. He is learning to play the drums from great drummers, and uh, and it's amazing. I'm so happy that he is because and, and I'm wow. and these some of these actors are 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 going to such great lengths, and I think we're so lucky to have these actors that are so passionate about this movie um, that that are really just. I mean, I am. So I'm grateful to these actors for taking and 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 I mean and also I just want to give a special shout out to, to Taylor Cliff who's playing Ronnie Van Zandt. Uh, oh wow! I mean the leader and he is done so much. Re- I mean I'm doing so much research, but he's also we we're it's like there's oh, there's so oh, so many documentaries and so many interviews. And we're we we're just like I watched we we watched them all. I mean, not together, but it's it's it was great. I'm like, damn man, I'm 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 so glad that you're that you're doing this. And 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 he's like, and he's doing it, and he's showing me his notes that he's taking, and and he is just, I'm I'm so happy with him for taking such command of his role, and I think it's, yeah, it's, it's all. It's almost like an impre- you know impressive to all the other actors. It's 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 fantastic. No, definitely, definitely, um, very cool. I mean, I cannot wait for this um, this thing to be done and to actually like be sitting and, and watching it because you know I, I um, you know I love uh, obviously I love horror movies. I mean that's beside the point, but you know I, I love movies about um, music and about bands and about um, you know, you know what it was like, you know, when they were, and <clears throat> that, that actually um, is this going to take place in the 1970s mostly, or what's um, what's the time frame? Yeah, time oh, period? Yeah. Okay. I mean the uh, the incident, ha- you know, the crash happened on October 20th, 1977, um, and there are some moments, some flashbacks. Uh, you know, that happened, you know, that happened, uh, you know, 75, 
uh, and then there's, you know, after the crash, uh, which happened in, you know, 78. And then there's, a, you know, there's one modern day, a couple modern day scenes that, that just show, uh, you know, the music lived on, lived on. And, but yeah, it's a period piece. It's a full on 19, you know, 77, 76, 70, you know, five, uh, period piece that not, you know, 98% of the movie. Well, right, right there, that, that aspect um, of just it being, you know, set in the 1970s um, is it, pretty cool to me because, uh, you know, I love period pieces from the 70s, um, just the style and the look and just, the, you know, the, the grittiness almost of, of the uh, decade. Oh, you know, I mean, the wardrobe, the clothes, the 70s, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was a wild time to be alive, um, and yeah, this is my first period piece. I mean, I've shot a, a, a scene or two that were you know that was period, but not a whole movie. And uh, yeah, this is gonna be full on seventies. Cool. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Well, I'm um, excited. I I am excited. What, what's your um What's your favorite Leonard Skinner song? Ooh, you know, I mean, I would say I love Simple Man. Um, I mean, if you if you listen to Simple Man and, and look at the lyrics, it is poet poetic. Uh, I mean, that is such a good song. Um, Free Bird, I love. Um, Saturday Night Special. Uh, that smell is. Uh, is is a great song. I mean, there's a lot of great songs, but those those are my favorites. Is, is the um, plan to um, put um, you know a oh, soundtrack together and, of? Uh, uh, and uh, there's another song that I want to give you know. Yeah. And it's called "Call Me the Breeze." It's called "Call Me the Breeze," okay. and uh, that movie that sounds that's going to be in the movie, and I'm so excited about that song. Uh, and it's such a great song, um, and I love that song. And uh, it, it's it's I mean Ronnie Van Zant's uh, songwriting abilities are uh, un unparalleled. You know, they're un, it, it's just amazing. He he just had such a knack, a, po- a poet. He was a poet and a and a and a great oh, singer. I, I and, totally uh, totally agree. You know, he sang from the heart. Everything about him, you know, came from the heart. And, uh, you know, and, and that's that's really where it's at. I mean, that's I think that's, that's sort of, you know, the transition of personally. He's actually made oh, me a better yeah. filmmaker uh, by his songwriting. It's, and it's it's uh um, you know it it, it 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 really did it really did oh yeah i mean you know you have to draw inspiration from it um no no doubt about it um so um i i did you say how many songs from skinner is going to be in this um this movie uh, I, you know, we're we're still the, the production company is still um, working. You know, possibly you know talking it 
out with the, you know, with Universal has the masters and publishing on the majority of the songs. Uh, well, that said, we do have uh, Call Me the Breeze. We have yes. successfully, uh, you know, we have Call Me the Breeze, and that's what, and 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 that's one of the best songs. So I'm so happy to to have that oh, song. Yeah. Uh, I that, mean, of course, I would really love fantastic. to have. You know, and of course, you would love to have Freebird and Sweet Home Alabama. You know, the two most known songs, and we're. And hopefully we will. Hopefully, you know, they'll see a cut of the movie and they'll be like, you know what? You guys really did it right. And, uh, and, and, and allow us to use it. They're sort of, they hold the cards on that one. And I'm, I'm, I think if the, you know, the universe smiles down upon us, um, it may, it may happen, you know, you never know. Well, Jared, I'm telling you, you know, I, I respect you as a director, and this this movie, I think, is going to do big things. And, you know, I really appreciate you talking with us for the last hour. It's been fantastic. Um, and I'm telling you, if I ever get a chance to, uh, you know, make it out to uh, the West Coast, I'd, I'd love to, uh, you know, meet you. Uh, yeah, I would love to, man, and I hope we... I hope we can work together on something and, and dead afterlife. I, 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 you know, I believe in that script. I believe in horror news. I believe in you. I mean, you got such a passion for it and, and Thanks, the persistence and persistence and that's what it takes. So yeah, yeah. I'd love, I would love to sit down with you and, uh, and just talk movies or make movies. Uh, hey man, it'll happen. It'll happen. I got no doubt about that. Love it, man. I love it. Well, uh, yeah, it was great talking with you. Uh, anytime, man, reach out to me. And uh, I appreciate you, uh, your support. And I, let's, let's, I hope, really hope this movie, uh, Street Survivors, is the true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash. I really hope that this movie uh, will be seen and, 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 you know, people will feel as passionate about it as I am. Oh, no doubt about it. Hey, Jarrett, thanks a lot for calling in. And, uh, hey, Street Survivors, um, Leonard Skinner's story, it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right. Thanks, All right. Take care. Have a great Have a great night. You got it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan? This is uh, Mike Joy, and we were just talking to uh, Jared Cohn. And uh, lo and behold, we have another guest on our line, and uh, William Burke. How you guys doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, doing very well. It's uh, so good to talk to you finally. Yeah, yeah. We've been uh, talking on email, I guess, but uh, (laughs) now, now it's a real voice. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, um, uh, I'm 
very excited about um, your book, Voodoo Child. Um, and it's uh, Voodoo Child Book One, Zombie Uprising. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a chance to, um, you know, kind of, you know, read a little bit on it and, um, you know, um, kind of publicize it the past couple months. And uh, it's, it's a good one, man. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's, um, I mean, there's about a zillion books out there about zombies with zombies in the title. Um, right. But I really wanted to try something different. So when I was writing it, I decided to take zombies back to their kind of voodoo roots and yeah. set it in the Caribbean and do something kind of different. I think, um, I mean, Lucio Fulci's zombie was a huge influence on me when I was, when I was young. I still love that movie to this day. Um, yeah. And it always struck me that it was one of the few to- few modern films that actually explored that, and it was really effective. So I thought it was a good idea to go back to that. Yeah. Uh, and and at the same time, keeping it contemporary, and you know, I kind of I kind of like writing about military stuff and putting action in. So there's a lot of that in there too. Now, this is your first uh, full-on uh, novel? Yeah, I'd done a lot of ghost writing, um, fiction and otherwise before that, um, a lot of paranormal romances and things like that, and a lot of short-form stuff. There were, there were a couple of authors who wrote paranormal romances that also put supplementary stories on their websites and things to keep their readers excited. So I wound up writing a lot of that. Um, plus script writing and writing episodes of like the Cinemax shows and all that before, before I delved into that. But this was the first full length novel that I actually got to put my name on. Okay. And uh, now it's Voodoo Child book one. So um, I'm assuming there's going to be a book two and book three, perhaps. I like to think so. Yeah, I am working on book two, um, which is currently titled Legion of the Dead. Um, okay. And that's uh, that's shaping up to be pretty exciting. That's uh, that involves a U.S. Navy ship that comes to the island of Phantomas to hopefully. Uh, help uh help rescue the uh people that are there and of course that turns into an absolute disaster um <laughs> uh, an entertaining disaster i hope okay yeah so um there's a lot of uh genres subgenres and you know what have you in the horror industry and uh zombies is uh completely uh a popular one, Walking Dead, uh, for instance, you know, you know, captured, you know, everyone's imagination and, you know, everyone watches every week. Um, so, I mean, hot topic, you know, right now, as far as horror goes, are zombies. Um, is that your favorite type of horror film, uh, the zombie movie, or um, uh, are there others? 
I would say that um, it, even if it's not my favorite genre per se, a lot of my favorite movies are zombie movies. I mean, as a kid, I saw, I mean, as a really little kid, I mean, probably way too young. Um, <laughs> I saw Night of the Living Dead on television, and okay. that just terrified me. And then just about at the perfect age, I saw Dawn of the Dead when it first came out. And that, okay. just, you know, so these are movies that really etched themselves in my mind. Um, sure. You know, and I, and they just had a huge impact on me. So even, uh, you know, and other ones too, like obviously Fulci Zombie is just, or Zombie 2, whatever you want to call it. Um is incredible. Return of the Living Dead is another movie that I think I can, if I ever have a hangover, I can throw that in the uh, DVD player and forget my troubles. Um, right. Because yeah, that's I, another so. brilliant movie. So, yeah, I mean, all, all those movies you said are fantastic. You know, I mean, I, you know, I grew up, um, I guess like really discovering uh, all these unknown horror classics, you know, in the 1980s when, you know, the VCR was new and video stores were popping up all over the place. And it was just so much fun just to like go to your corner video store and just see what was in the horror section and kind of just start picking movies off the shelf that you had no idea what you were about to, you know, watch. Um, and you know, a lot of the movies you just mentioned were, you know, some of those movies. Yeah. I think that was, um, I think the mom and pop video store, you know, which unfortunately was killed by blockbuster before it died. Um, right. That was just, they, they were just treasure troves of just weird movies just, and, and a lot of it was just I found out later was was because of why the video industry was structured. You know, they, at first they could not buy 20 copies of whatever the huge movie was. Yeah. So they would have to, you know, buy a bunch of these cheaper things, you know, or films they could get for less money to kind of fill out the shelves. And that just suddenly magically movies like Maniac or, you know, all these, you know, house by the cemetery or something, we're actually at your video store. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I walked in and, you know, in the front was always the new release section. And I just always remember just walking straight past that section, going right to the back where the horror movies were, you know, and that's <laughs> where I would spend my time. You know? <laughs> I was also but, lucky uh, in that. When I got out of when I got out of the military, which was in like 1984, because um, okay. I'm old, um, <laughs> I moved to New York, and actually was there during the heyday of, you know, grindhouse theaters in the Deuce. Okay. So, I remember actually seeing movies like, you know, I remember seeing Make Them Die Slowly in a theater with this like right. giant facade they had built outside, you know, which made it look like no movie could possibly be as crazy and sick as what they were advertising. And it right, was. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so um yeah i i remember a, a lot of like really amazing you know i seeing evil dead and uh 42nd street grindhouse theater uh getting to see like basket case when it was a midnight show at the waverly oh wow basket case that's one i haven't thought about in a long time that's one of those great little gritty new york shot movies you know and i I was living in new york and i'm like my god they shot this like right up the street i can almost smell it off the screen horrible (laughs) motel um (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) So it was that was a that was a really cool time to be to be in Manhattan because, you know, as long as you're willing to live in an apartment building where there were a lot of syringes lying around, um, you could actually afford rent. Right. <laughs> well, you you um so you mentioned that you um you were in the military, uh, and then also there's military theme in your book. So do you take personal experience um, to, to kind of bring it to life in your, um, you know, right while you're writing or. It was more stuff. I was around, you know, I got during time, in the air force I was around a lot of helicopters and planes and things like that. And we're aware of them and, you know, got to crawl around in them and, you know, get yeah. the, get the feel of them and get that weird hydraulic diesel fluid smell that was in them. Um, always. And, um, so that was something I really, I really liked though. When I had to write stuff like in Voodoo Child, uh, all the, the Black Hawk helicopter stuff in Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, that I had to do a lot of research on that okay. because just, I mean, just like the crash procedures and all that that go on in a helicopter when it's going down. You know, right. that's, so, yeah. that's just, and I, and I think that you owe that to the readers to really yeah. find I mean, all that information. You, definitely. You want to be familiar with the, 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 you know, the topic so you can, you know, um, sensibly write about it and, you know, have it make sense to you yeah. and your reader. Definitely. Yeah. And I know that a, a lot of times when I've read stuff, I, I can just tell that like, you know, Oh, he's putting a silencer on a revolver. Yeah, that doesn't work. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that's kind of, that's just such a minor amount of research you could do, you know, yeah. to get, to just get that right. Yeah. And I'm also, right. Yeah. And I, you know, cause you owe that to the reader. I, I was also kind of a, at one time in life, I was kind of a fan of some of the pulpy, men's adventure kind of books. Um, so I, I kind of tried to bring a little bit of that feel to it, like some of the old destroyer novels or something like that. Okay. Um, so, you know, those are, those are all influences you have. So you, um, you mentioned before, um, that, uh, no, I mean, not only, have you written for, you know, hardnews.net and, um, you know, this being, um, you know, your first book, but um, you have some experience um, working with like Cinemaction, HBO and and, and so forth um, in some productions. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, God, 
long time back, I remember I, I had just moved to Los Angeles and um, was looking for work. And I had been a production manager in New York. And what a friend of mine was a... <laughs> that was probably around 1990, 92, somewhere okay. in there. Um, and a friend of mine called me and he said, Oh, can you, uh, there's a, there's a guy looking for a production manager. If you want to do it, da, da, da. And I went down and it was a movie that was going to be picked up by Playboy. So okay. I was the production manager on that. And then I did two more for the same guy. And then he recommended me and I wound up being a staff producer for a company that did all the little features for uh, Playboy. Um, okay. and, and, and this was your this was your first work in the the film industry, basically. No, I had done a lot before that. I had, when I was in New York, I production managed a lot of, you know, worked on and kind of became production manager on a lot of like little films. New York was the king of little films that you worked your heart on and then nobody ever saw. Um, <laughs> they would never get distribution. The one, this, this I, one like, I guess, the, is pretty. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, one of them, I guess, has become very notorious. As the production man, my first job on a film was as production manager on a on a movie called Beware Children at Play, uh, which okay. Trauma picked up and is just like <laughs> it's just ninety minutes of bad ideas Uh, (laughs) (laughs) any movie that ends with a somebody shooting like 20 children um in graphic detail yeah it's just just so wrong i mean it's yeah it's hilarious it was a good it was a good working experience i learned a lot because anything that had to be done you had to do and wound up living with one of the women that was in the cast for about five years after that. So, you know, some good things okay. came out of it. Sure. Um, okay. yeah. um, so, and oddly enough, before that, I had been working at the United Nations as a cameraman. Um, <laughs> so kind of a weird shifting gears. I would say. Uh, yeah, going from shooting videos for... Yeah, I think we were shooting videos for like, you know, save the children, and then shooting a film that is kill the children. Um, right. <laughs> so that was a big shift. But anyway, flashing forward, yeah, I was working at Playboy, and I think I produced, I think it was like sixteen movies for them uh, in the span of like three years. Oh wow, um, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a. That's a lot of female cops who have to go undercover as a lingerie model to solve their friend's murder. Um, (laughs) I I think that plot was in there about four times. One time with the same actress, I think, as the last one they did. I was like, you know, this. That's amazing how often that has to happen. Yeah, I mean, they they must teach lingerie modeling at the police academy in Los Angeles, I guess. Yeah, probably. They just know they'll have to go undercover. Um, anyway, after that, a guy named John Quinn uh, 
created a TV series that Cinemax picked up um, called Sin City Diaries that I wound up producing. And that was shot in Vegas. And then we did two more shows, uh, Forbidden Science, which was a kind of a sci-fi erotica show, um, which was actually pretty good. So that only lasted one season. And then we followed that with Lingerie, which is kind of sexy and kind of dumb as a bag of doorknobs. So that ran two seasons. (laughs) Um. And then I did a wrote and directed a feature for Cinemax after that uh, called Sweet Prudence and the Erotic Adventure of Bigfoot, which did very actually, well. I, and then it, and I actually know about that one. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Yes, I I remember when that um, when that first came out, um, and I remember it was featured on HorrorNews.net, and we did a couple interviews. Um, so yeah, it definitely got some, um, some publicity, no doubt about that. Yeah. And then you and I went to con to promote it. And, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that was, that was a, that was a, a silly little movie that still, still kind of popular. So, but after that Cinemax stopped doing their late night shows. So that kind of okay. put a crimp in that. Um, but then I, I, you know, that turned me more towards writing for a living, which I kind of, kind of prefer. You get more, uh, because it's more creative or, um, why well, like yeah, it? I mean, all the logistics are your own. You don't have to worry about a budget, you know, True. you can, uh, you, you don't have to think about any of those things. And, you know, as kind of full solitary experience, as I'm sure you know, it's just sitting and writing Boy. is just, uh, you know, it's not the giggle fest people imagine it to be. Um, yeah, you got to kind of be in your own head and, you know, it's, you know, it is what it is, but it definitely can be rewarding at times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just feel like it's a little bit more like, it's a little more purely, purely creative. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, it's not like, you know, people smashing bands into things or, you know, actors accidentally setting fire to their hotel room or any of the other things you'd have to deal with when producing a show. <laughs> yeah, instead, you can just write about that stuff. That's yeah. And it can be a bigger fire because <laughs> you don't have to worry about the budget. <laughs> exactly. They could set a whole hotel on fire. Um, so yeah, I kind of enjoy that. Uh, I kind of enjoy that freedom. That's that's something that I think was missing before. Yeah, well, that's cool. So um, I'm just kind of curious. We talked a little bit about um, what you liked in the past. Um, is there anything that you have your eye on present day um, movies, television shows? Um, you know, what's kind of got your curiosity these days? Oh God, it's, um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I mean, I, I've become a fan of the walking dead, obviously, but that's a little, I'm a little less enthusiastic about it lately. That's just people jumping on the bandwagon, I guess. Um, what have I liked lately? 
I should have thought about this question beforehand. <laughs> I, I find myself going back to stuff I've seen before now. Um, sure. More than Fine. than grabbing new things. Yeah, I, I mean, more often than not, I mean, I would probably tend to agree with you. I probably tend to watch more old material than I do new stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as new stuff goes, um, I mean, personally speaking, um, you know, I've uh, really been uh, into uh, the Bates Motel TV series. Uh, I think it's very well done. Uh, I think they kind of, um, you know, play a nice homage to what Alfred Hitchcock started. I did watch, I, I watched the first two seasons of that. I only, the only reason I haven't watched more is just because of time. Um, right. You know, I just tend to overload myself on, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing this, the sequel to Voodoo Child. I'm writing another novella called Trump Soup right now. Um, and also writing for horror news. So, you know, it's like a, I'm I'm going through a lot of keyboards here. Um, <laughs> so, um, but let's talk about the uh, horror new stuff. What um, you uh, what, what stuff have you written? I mean, I know what stuff you've written, but um, tell the audience what kind of things you've written so far. Sure, I um, well, the, the one I, I mean, the one great thing with horror news is I I first started doing some reviews. Um, and obviously delivered those on time. And then, you know, I started to play with article ideas and what's, what's great about horror news is as long as it's not too far off the mark, you know, Michael will let you write thing interesting. So, I mean, I did one about, uh, screenplay plagiarism, you know, famous examples of that. Which was yeah, a lot was, of fun, and that got a lot. That, that was a fantastic article, by the way. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed that. And I I, I really, in, particularly, you know, when you get to, you, you know, you, you get to promote a movie like Parts or something that kind of gets forgotten, right. which I think was a very clever movie. Um, you know, that that's, that's fun. I just did one about, there's a three-part article. The first part's up about uh, uh, the first mockumentary uh, film called okay. Alternative 3. Um, and that is just, that was just a really fascinating story. And I got in contact with the director. I mean, this was a mockumentary from 1977, I think. Uh-huh. Um got in contact with the director in England. He was just tremendous, giving me all kinds of details. And it's a fascinating story because kind of like War of the Worlds in a sense, they did this mockumentary disguised as a documentary show that was purporting to expose a conspiracy that, you know, the world was going to die from climate change and that the wealthy and elite were relocating themselves to Mars, um, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, but they may, you know, because they use this documentary format, it seemed reasonably plausible sure. and people went nuts. They thought it was a real show. So it became like a war of the world's panic, but that was fun in and of itself. But then 
all these conspiracy theorists decided that Alternative 3 was not a fake documentary. It was just disguised as a fake documentary and that all of this stuff was actually happening. And to this day, there's like websites and DVDs and everything about Alternative 3 um, saying it's a real thing. So that was just like that's just one of those neat stories you almost can't make up. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it sounds pretty pretty cool, and I don't think I even knew about that. So, I mean, and I don't know. It's definitely something I'll have to check it out. Oh, yeah, you can you can read the first part and then wait breathlessly for the other two. <laughs> um, I will, I will. <laughs> but I think that was a fun, fun one. I also did some, like, you know, a zombie factoids article. Um, you know, there, there's some neat stuff there. I mean, people never realize the the first guy who actually brought the idea of zombies into like English and American culture was a guy named W. B. Seabrook, and he wrote a okay. book called The Magic Island about Haiti. Yeah, and he was a crazy man. And the interesting thing is, he actually bragged about the fact that he had eaten human flesh. Oh, well, yum. That someone had prepared for him. So the guy that right. brought zombies into American culture was actually a cannibal. How about that? Oh, it makes you, sense. Yeah, there you go. I don't think that's in trivial oh. pursuit. Um, <laughs> no. Not the edition I have, at least. <laughs> it must be a zombie edition coming out. I can't imagine somebody... I, I would have to hope so. Um, well, you know what? Um, we are, are quickly running out of time, but um, before I uh, before I let you go, I will extend the offer. If you uh, would ever want us to uh, want to join us again, um, you would certainly be more than welcome. Absolutely, yeah, it's a blast. Okay, yeah, and you I'm can, a big, uh, uh, certainly big horror news fan, obviously. So, yeah, I would love to do that. Okay, well, um, again, um, uh, William Burke, uh, the author of Voodoo Child Book One: Zombie Uprising, uh, and uh, you know, well, it was great talking to you. Um, and uh, you know, please go to horrornews.net and take a look at uh, his articles because they're all fantastic and. You know, there's a lot more to come, too. And there's also a review of my book on there, which was a rave. So if you're on the fence yeah, yeah. about spending two ninety nine, just read that review. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to call in. All right. Thank you, Mike. Take care. All right. You got it. Bye-bye. All right, so uh, Horror News Confidential, we had some uh, some great guests and some good talk today. Uh, we had Jared Cohn join us, and he was talking about uh, some horror movies that he directed, as well as his new upcoming Leonard Skinner uh, Street Survivors, uh, and then also William Burke, uh, the author of Voodoo Child Book One Zombie Uprising. Um, so... Uh, you know, stay posted, and uh, you know we'll be uh, we'll be back to you with uh, some information on what's coming up in the weeks ahead. So stay tuned to horrornews.net, and 
the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network for more information. Uh, so this is Michael Joy for our News Confidential saying farewell. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs>